Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Rich Allen and Peter Rutzler. France are on the edge of their seat as they sit on the edge of qualification to the World Cup. But they are they safely across the line, or are they still some big hurdles to jump? All that and more, including your questions after the latest headlines. Blaise Matuidi's early goal was enough for Les Bleus to tiptoe past Bulgaria on Saturday. The result keeps Didier Deschamps' men top of Group A ahead of their clash with Belarus, with France still needing to win to absolutely guarantee qualification to the World Cup in Russia next year. In Ligue 1 news, Nice have opened a new state-of-the-art training ground. An investment of 15.5 million euros have gone, has gone into the project, which also includes sleeping rooms for their prospects. Marseille have confirmed the permanent signing of Jordan Amavi from Aston Villa. The 23-year-old has impressed so far this season and has penned a deal until 2021. Pascal Dupras has stripped Christophe Julien of the Toulouse captaincy this week. A rift arose between the two um, since the club's 2-0 loss at Marseille. And fellow centre-back partner Issa Diop has been chosen as his replacement. And finally, the Ballon d'Or list has been revealed with a number of Ligue 1 men and players, and French players as well, joining that list. Um, but Neymar is the one that's headlining there, as well as being in the news for asking the UEFA to banish Barcelona for an unpaid loyalty fee stemming from that transfer this summer, while the Catalan club are still counterclaiming that the 25-year-old owes them cash in return. Still a sticky one there, it seems. And that's all for the news. But all remember, stay up to date with all your French football news. Head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with the national side and France just about got the result they needed on Saturday. Uh, Rich, was this more of a professional performance with that 1-0 win or a sign that everything still isn't quite clicking for what is an exceptionally talented side? Um, exceptionally talented, yes, but my goodness, they go about things in a in a difficult and, and slightly frustrating manner. Um, I can't really call it a professional performance. They got the result. So in that regard, yes, professional, but uh, certainly in that second half, since things really, really got a little, little too tense, I think, a little too close to comfort with for, for Bulgaria to pull a goal back. Um, 20, 25 minutes, um, France looked pretty comfortable. I thought they, they had the right idea. They came out of the traps early, you know, got that early goal, were pressing hard. Um, it's probably no coincidence then that sort of the, the, the wheels almost fell off the wagon once N'Golo Kante went off injured uh, uh, late in that first half. Um, I think it was a big night for certain players to impress. Um, you know, I'm looking at the likes of Lacazette being given the, the, the striker's role ahead of Giroud. Um, injuries obviously meant that, um, you know, we had uh, Luca Dean uh, in at left back. Um, obviously, the, the injury to Kante early on meant Rabiot perhaps came on earlier than he'd anticipated. It, it, it's to be debated whether some of those took their chances or not. Um, I think Lacazette will probably look on his night with a little bit of disappointment. I think considering how disorganised that defence looked at at times, I thought Luca Dean looked okay in parts. Um, but perhaps that's not to be expect, uh, not to be unexpected. Um, but by and large, I mean you can't argue with the result. It was you know they needed the result first and foremost. Performance perhaps can come later. So. To come away from Bulgaria, who haven't lost at home um, so far in these qualifiers, with the win, I suppose in that regard you can't ask for more. But you would just hope that with hopeful qualification anyway to a major tournament, um, but a, dare I say formality, that there might have been a little bit more polish to the performance. Mm, and that's sort of the emitting feeling from a lot of these French games at the moment, but. Peter, he's just mentioning briefly there, and that's Alexandra Lacazette, who did start 
in the uh, striker role with uh, Griezmann and, and Bappe either side of him. Was this a chance missed for the Arsenal man to really stamp his authority in that position of, a, of the main striker where there's still plenty of competition? Yeah, I think it, we, he'll look back on it and think it is a chance miss. Mainly on the basis that he has not really been given this sort of opportunity for such a long time. I mean, Giroud is Deschamps' man. And he's been quite rigid with that, despite pressure for him to play, to play Lacazette, um, who earned his place in the team by consistently scoring goals. And, and he would have wanted to have done better, I think. Obviously, Bulgaria is not an easy place to go. Um, it's a very wet pitch. Um, new setup as well, 4-3-3. But you'd, you'd think with Lacazette, that would, that would probably suit him, really, with the two wide players, um, Griezmann coming inside and, and Mbappe. Um, but it, it, the game did seem to pass him by a little bit. I think he had one great opportunity where he was denied by a sensational tackle, um, which you'll look back on and think maybe I could have taken it a bit quicker. But, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult because he doesn't really get these opportunities, and that's, that's the key point. And for Deschamps to make the change, you know, he's looking at other options. Um, the four-three-three epitomizes that. Um, and he'll think, well, I didn't really take the chance. I think he, the report saying that after the game, he went straight through the mix zone, stern face. So for, from his perspective, that's how he sees it. And I think on balance, it, he will regret, not, well, say regret, but he will think this, could, this was an opportunity for me to really stake a claim against Giroud. I mean, he's, he's taken his place at club level. Um, and, you know, the pressure obviously mounts with Deschamps when, he, when he's picking the, the backup man at the club. So... I wouldn't think he'll get another start against Belarus. I think he may may resort back to what he knows, uh, Didier Deschamps. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a, a a chance gone because I think a four three three would suit Lacazette and, and the way he plays. Um, and France don't normally play a four three three. That's it was new, didn't really work. Seemed a bit uh, disjointed, especially after Kante went off, as as Rich was saying. So yeah, I, I yeah expect changes and and Lacazette. I think maybe one of those to, to miss out. Yeah, they tweaked a couple of things in this one really, Rich. And a number of people have mentioned in the past that it seems strange to play Griezmann out wide. It really didn't work for him in the Euros. Playing him more centrally really allowed him to blossom. Obviously, Mbappe's played more wide recently. But were they maybe a little too narrow at times? It, it did trying to play so many of those players that they really want to play not really come off as, as they would hope? Well, I think so. I think, as you said, Griezmann played a little more out wide and Bappe played out wide. Both, I think, have made it pretty clear they much prefer, much prefer playing centrally. Griezmann, I think, probably has the maturity and the discipline to, to almost do as he's told by his coach. I'm still not sure yet whether Mbappe has that. I think we've seen that for, for PSG at times this season. I think we've certainly seen it at times um, for, for France of him drifting out of position from where he is supposed to be deployed. So um, I think they're, they're probably going to suffer a little bit from that. Um, I would quite like to see, once everyone's fit, um, a continuation of the, the, the sort of three up front. And I'd, I'd quite like to see a sort of almost rotation, if you like, of the three of Griezmann, um, Mbappe and, and Dembele. I think you've got those three. Any one of those three can play out wide. Certainly Griezmann and Mbappe can play centrally. And you just let them be a little bit more flexible with how they play. You know, you'd have width there. You'd have pace there. You'd have excitement there. And you've also got the quality of finishing there. Um, that's ultimately where I would like to see this, this current crop of French players end up. Um, for the here and now, though, yeah, there was a there was a lack of of, of depth. The, the, really, what really hit them and, and hurt them most, I thought last night, uh, sorry, Saturday night, um, was that defence. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of people come out of that game saying, "Oh, you know, Varane marshaled that that sort of defence quite well." I actually thought Varane had a pretty poor game. Um, I certainly think he was outshined by Umtiti. I think he had to step in and cover Varane. On a number of occasions, it may have been that Varane was pulled out to the right a little bit with um, uh, sort of obvious defensive um, sort of fail I mean, failure, really, of his defensive duties at times. So it may be that that, that didn't help Varane. And 
you know, it emphasizes the argument for a better, you know, there's a separate argument as to whether there one exists, but a better right back, someone who does have that sort of defensive know-how and defensive capability, because Varane was pulled out far too many times, I thought, to the right, which allowed then Bulgaria to really attack that French defence. Um, we saw the classic of Loris, um, you know, a howler recovers it with a world-class save. Um, I'm starting to see a little bit too much of that. Uh, great to see the world-class saves, but I'd rather not be seeing the howlers that that force him into doing that. But um, there's, there's food for thought from this performance. There, there really is, I think, for Deschamps. It's whether now Deschamps can lose that or has enough time to lose that stubborn edge um, and recognise that France have the players to play in the positions that I think he wants. It's making sure that he picks that team, making sure that favourites aren't picked, making sure form players are picked. So it's, it's, it's the, I think the, the, the big test now is between now and when that World Cup starts, obviously dependent on France make it, is that, that, that Deschamps himself can learn um, that you know he's got an incredibly talented squad of players at his disposal. They won't win anything if he also doesn't um, you know develop and show flexibility. And Peter, was there any real standouts for you? I know it's maybe a little bit hard on one of those games that you sort of end up grinding out. But was there anyone that really, especially at this late stage in the final sort of competitive games before a World Cup, cement their sort of place in this starting eleven? Uh, it'd be difficult to say cement uh, a place in the side. I think Matuidi getting on the score sheet um, was good for him. It reminded us of what he can bring bring to a side: his box box to box dynamism, getting into the box and take and finding scoring positions as well as being effective and ball recovery. Um, he did fade in the second half, though he was not a was not a complete performance by him by any stretch of the imagination. Um, going back to Luca Dean, I actually think. I think, as, as Rich was saying, I think he, this is a really good opportunity for him. I mean, Mendy's out for several months with, a, with his ACL. Kazawa um, has been in poor form, um, and he's not exactly in uh, Deschamps' best books anyway, I'm sure. So this is a really big opportunity for him, and he did okay. I wouldn't say he did particularly well. Um, they were not collectively that strong, uh, France. Uh, they didn't appear to be in, in any case. And, I think they were more interested in attacking Sidibe and uh, the Bulgarians on that left on their left hand side. So, but you know he he, he was part of the goal. It was a, a good cutback and he didn't do anything particularly wrong. But he he's got to, he'll realise now that this is a big opportunity for him, especially with the World Cup coming up, and he he will, he will want to secure that place. More solid performances, no reason for Deschamps to to take him out the side and put pressure on on um, Kazawa because he is a player who can be pressed. I think. Um, his performances for the national side haven't exactly uh, flat, haven't exactly uh, impressed. Um, besides that, uh, I think Kante. You can see how much how important he was. Um, it's more a case of who underperformed really, um, as as Rich was saying, and especially in terms of defensively. Um, Rabiot, when he came on, was anonymous. Uh, Talisa did all right. I thought he did okay. Um, nothing spectacular. Up front, they, they were a bit toothless. Mbappe was trying things, but nothing really worked. Uh, Griezmann struggled. Um, Lacazette flitted in and out. So, yeah, I'd, I wouldn't say anyone really staked a claim, but I think that from the talking points that we've covered, that a few have kept their names in the pot, but none are certainly um, permanent fixes. I think I would also just give... Yeah, I, I would probably say Talisa, I thought, performed pretty well. I think considering sort of incredibly rough treatment he got from the, the Bulgarians. I think at one point, um, I think there was yellow, uh, four yellow cards, I think, were they shown to the Bulgarians, and all four were for fouls on Taliso. So he was certainly targeted last night and and showed that he was made of some pretty... Uh, I keep saying last night, sat there, and, and was certainly showed that he's uh, made of tough stuff. And I think another thing was, was Griezmann. Um, performed a little bit better in attack, but I saw uh, in the game a sort of something like, well, a defensive performance I'd not really seen from him before. Um, perhaps that's the disadvantage of of playing ahead of um, to track back. But I thought he really, really got stuck in, really seemed to, to, to dig in as a sort of almost more senior player of that side now to, to track back, to help out the defence. 
Um, so I thought that was quite impressive, but I think it should certainly give alarm bells that you know you don't want one of your best players tracking back and you don't want one of your best attacking players being picked out because he's performed so well defensively. So hopefully Deschamps will see that and rectify it. Yes, I knew that would be a tough question when it's been a game that was sort of uh, modelled out a little bit. So they face Belarus tomorrow night. It's obviously a very big game. They need to at least, excuse me, match Sweden's result. If they draw and Sweden win, Sweden will win from will go through automatically through goal difference. So it's an important game and not one we can underestimate. We have to set our minds back a little bit, but. Uh, they drew nil-nil in Belarus at the very start of the group. So I'm very quickly on both of you. I'll start with you, Peter. Could this still be a banana skin for them? It has the potential to be. Um, I mean, especially when we remember the, the Luxembourg game quite recently. So, yes, of course it does. Um, I fully expect Sweden to win. I think the Netherlands mentally will not be in a good place, especially after <laughs> Advocat's com- uh, comments saying they won't win 8-0 and they, they go and do it. I think Sweden look confident. Um, they should, I think they'll do, do all right against the Netherlands. So it is, the onus is definitely on France to win. But, you, you, but with the squad they have, they, they shouldn't really be a problem. And I imagine that Deschamps will, will ring the changes, as I was saying earlier. Probably go back to a 4-2-3-1. Um, but yeah, I, I can't see there being any issues really for France. I mean, I think the, the trouble with um, when you travel away, um, it's different environments different pitches as we saw in Bulgaria so they won't have that it'll be familiar home comforts so yeah they should do the job and if they don't then it's well it'll go down on another embarrassment from qualifying with Luxembourg yeah Rich surely this is a nailed on strong win otherwise the, the knives will be out won't they um, I think for the time being let's let's just take a win um, let's, <laughs> I would take another nervy scrappy 1-0 win at this moment in time um, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, in the ideal world, this would be a lovely, you know, 4-0 win, things wrapped up at half-time kind of job. But, you know, this is France and it seems that they never, ever, ever want to take things the easy way. So I'm fully expecting another nail-biting 90 minutes. I'm fully expecting it to be a scrappy game, one that I won't enjoy for 90 minutes. But fingers crossed, come that 90th minute, um, the result will uh, will be in the right uh, right way. Absolutely. And assuming they go through, uh, one last bit I wanted to mention on the French team. There's a great article by our very own Adam White. He's always excellent today on, on the balance of this team. But really important is that striker's position. And there was a discussion between uh, Giroud, who tends to be the, the man that, that uh, the Deschamps relies on, Lacazette, who obviously played at the weekend, Benzema, although <laughs> maybe he's on the periphery, or someone else. So I just wanted to know... Start with you, Rich. Who would your main, assuming they play one striker, of course, who would your man be? Um, if they're going to play the three, I think I'd go with what I mentioned earlier, if, if everyone's fit as well, of, of Griezmann in the more slightly more central role, flanked by Mbappe and Dembele. I think there's enough there um, to give you sort of a lot of, a lot of options that you need. Um, pace, excitement, I mentioned earlier, finishing. Um you know, Giroud, I've been a huge, huge fan of Giroud for France. He's done a, a brilliant job, incredibly underrated job, I think, at times, under big, big pressure from the, the Benzema clan that keep calling for his return. Um, and Lacazette, you know, you can't knock Lacazette's domestic form. It's just unfortunate for him. He's never been given that run in the national side to to, to you know discover that level of, um, of performance for, for the national side. So for me... I don't see it happening, but yeah, I'd go. I'd go Griezmann with with Dembele and, and Mbappe. Peter, no, there's so many things I would do, but I'm not. Didier, I'm going to think from Didier Deschamps' perspective, because <laughs> um, part of me thinks that well, looking at Deschamps, he, he does play four four two or a four two four every now and again. So, I think Lamar on the left hand side. I think he was excellent um, against the Netherlands, and I think that will keep him very much at the forefront of uh, Deschamps' thoughts when he's back and fit and firing. It'd be interesting to see. Um, if he'd be considered potentially an Mbappe and Griezmann up top together. Um, Griezmann does like to drop into that sort of nine and a half role. Um, Mbappe wants to try centrally. He will sort of drift out left. So that does leave some space. But then ideally you'd want a Dembele or someone on the right-hand side. But 
with Sadibi behind him, it's, it was almost, almost be suicidal and you'll have him having to think defensively um, more than you would probably like. Um, I do, I do agree with Rich on 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 a four three three with with extreme fluidity. You know that when you've got players of this talent, you can't really tie them to tactical plans in the way that you would normally. Um, Mbappe, Dembele, Griezmann—they want to drift. They want to find spaces. They are space invaders, you know, and and they exploit it, and that's where they get their success. Um, I think for tomorrow, um, I think Deschamps will go with Giroud. And I think I think that's his his go-to, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to Giroud, uh, Griezmann as a as an axis longer term, um, as a focus. Unless of course Giroud can't can't get game time, and then he, the pressure is back on to to play someone else. But yeah, I think if, it would have been nice to have seen Lacazette get a run of games, and he might do in the friendlies in the next few months um, in the build-up to the tournament. Should France get there, which I fully expect them to, um, but. You know, it hasn't had those opportunities, and you know, I don't think they're going to be forthcoming, especially with the attacking options that France have. Yeah, I I agree with the fluidity one of of, of Griezmann up top um, with Mbappe and and uh, and Dembele. I think it, I'm not going to try and besmirch Deschamps more than I probably already am as I'm saying it, but a more um, tactically diverse manager would spot that there's so many great attacking talents that if you play those three, saying they're probably your uh, most gifted three, if you're playing a certain opponent, you've got so many great options. Giroud can come on. He's a big presence. Defender's nightmare. If you're struggling in a game and the plan A is not working, he's a great plan B. He's a great breaker down of play against the, the maybe some of the smaller teams as well if you needed to give someone a rest. Lacazette is a great option that's similar to Griezmann, similar to any of the wide players, really. Uh, Lamar maybe gives you a bit more width if you wanted to play a bit more of a traditional wide man. Then you've got Martial if you wanted more someone who's a little bit more like Mbappe, um, a bit more direct, a bit more of a, of a nine and a half sort of style of player. They've got great options. Um, um, you can add even Tovan into that. You can add Pai into that, possibly, depending on who comes in. Fekir as well. Then you can switch to four-two-three-one if you need to. If you need to grab a goal, get an extra player in that attacking area. He's got a lot of options. It just seems like sometimes he's too stuck in a certain way. When this team could be a lot more fluid and a lot more uh, interesting, that sometimes he he allows them to be. But that's a maybe another question for another day, especially in the build-up to the uh, the World Cup when we see it. But let's move on to looking back at Ligue 1, and as we always like to do in get French football. We like to look at the relegation scrap because it's time to have a look down there now that eight games gone and see who's hovering around that trap door. So I've chosen every single team that are starting uh, quote-unquote poorly in my eyes. So anyone on nine points in eight games downwards. So we'll start off with the bottom side, Peter, and that's Mets. Um, mm. Are they doomed with a, without an out-and-out goal scorer? Well, you'd think so if you've only scored three goals in eight games. It doesn't exactly bode well. Um, I wouldn't say they're doomed. Um, obviously, things are not good. Um, you, they need more from Rue. Obviously, Rivier has been injured. Um, Get hasn't been firing. He's been missing a lot of chances. And we've talked before about how they haven't really replaced Saar and, and Diabate. Um, but I, I do feel a little bit sorry for, for Hinchberger and, and Metz because... I think they've been a little bit unlucky, especially recently. Um, they, <laughs> of course, recently they, they, they've, uh, they've had a number of 1-0 defeats. Um, the, the defeat to Nantes, um, they will feel they should have had a draw. I mean, that was that penalty farce uh, where Nolan Rue steps up to take a penalty in the dying embers of the game, puts it away, referee blows a whistle for encroachment. And, of course, encroachment is not something that is that readily enforced normally. Um, but then once the retake is taken and Rue misses, encroachment is equally as, as bad, if not worse. I think, I think Rich mentioned this actually last time, but these are the kind of things. I mean, uh, against Troyes, they totally dominated the game. Samasa had another trademark sensational game in goal. Uh, Get missed another trademark chance. Um, Troyes had 10 men for most of the game. Um, so that I, I think they're creating opportunities, um, and they're just not taking them. 
And obviously then that does go back in circles to the, the start point, which is goals. Um, but I, I, I actually think, you know, I think they've got Santetia next away. And I think it was reported that Hinchberg has got a couple of games to sort things out and pick up some points. But I think defensively they're sound. Um, they do have one of the worst defensive records on paper. But if you take away the five goals they conceded against PSG, which were all conceded after a ludicrous red card, I thought they were excellent in that game, Mets, um, and they'll be thoroughly disappointed with how that game uh, transpired with that ridiculous red card for Asu Okoto. But that means if you take those five goals out, they've only conceded nine, which is actually the joint seventh best defensive record in the league. So defensively, I don't think they're in as much difficulty as they are going forward. And I think if they do start to take chances, if they do get Rue becoming more consistent um, and get taking some chances that he seems to love to miss... Um, then, you know, we're looking at a different story. I mean, they did put three goals past Charleroi in a friendly the other day. So, you know, there's, there is hope. There is hope in the darkness, but you can't get away from what, 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 what's in front of you and what the stats are saying. And they need to score goals. Um, but I don't think it's as bad as, 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 you, as it may appear, may first appear. That's absolutely right, Peter. Search for those silver linings wherever you can <laughs> find them, I think, when, you, when you're near the bottom. And optimistic. Yeah, and I, I'm looking at another team that's a bit like that, and that's Strasbourg, really. Who've, they looked pretty decent against the Lille side that were completely uh, abysmal. But we mentioned last week they just they can't score goals and they're not getting results. And that the game just before the international break against Dijon seemed like a really, really big game for them to try and maybe get a win under your belt. You've got some difficult games. They went a man down. They nicked a goal in the last minute. That's, not really ideal, really. They've got. You start looking at the fixtures coming up. That you start looking at Marseille. You start looking at Nice, uh, Angers in the next three weeks as well. They, they, that's not the easiest trio of games necessarily. And you start wondering if it will start spiraling. Although there's one glimmer of hope in there, and that's the goal scorer in that Dijon game, and that's Martin Terrier, who's been on a tear. Excuse my turn a phrase on that um, with the French under 21s he scored a couple of goals recently getting them back from the back from being behind uh, against uh, uh, I think it was, was it Kazakhstan Rich again the... uh, he got, got a hat trick against Kazakhstan yeah. and then a goal in the, the next qualifier and then um, two tonight to, yeah, to turn six around and three. so yeah no, he, he's, he's the player they need to turn to they've, they've got him on loan from Lille very very exciting young player um uh, has been gradually i think introduced to to first team football Strasbourg. they have to throw him into the deep end now <laughs> yeah. you know he's shown he's shown with the under 21s that he can he can perform he can score goals he's got the creativity he's got a couple of assists i think to go with those six goals for the under 21s um eight equalizer against dijon um before the international break he, he's he's going to have to be their go-to guy, certainly to get them through till at least January, um, because really the the form has not been good enough. Um, yeah, okay, they've lost a couple of games which they might have expected to. The opening game against Lyon, uh, against Monaco, they're they're losses that you can write off. What what I don't think as a newly promoted side you can't write off is a home defeat to a fellow newly promoted side. And they mm. lost a few weeks ago at home to Amiens. That that that's that's not, you know, that's not excusable for a newly promoted side. That's a game that they will have had had to um, to take the full three points from. Um, so yeah, they've got a couple of tricky games coming up: um, uh, Marseille at home, Nice away. But then there's a run of three games where, if they're to stay up, they're three games that they should be targeting at the very least. If I'm perfectly honest, what five, maybe even seven points. Yeah. Tourangere away at Tour, home to Rennes. They're all down there. They're all potential. I mean, it pains me to say this about Rennes, but at this moment in time, why not a, a, a re potential re uh, relegation candidate as well? You know, all three sides, all three of those sides, have had sort of various difficulties so far in this season. Although Tour are showing a little bit of form of late, um, but it's plain and simple for Strasbourg. They need to start scoring. And they need to start getting points because it's you know they're very very quickly um, falling into a pattern 
of, of defeats and you know, rescuing last-minute draws against uh, teams who they should be well, they should be performing better against than other Dijon games. So um, I think the alarm bells have started ringing for Strasbourg already this early because you know they can't afford. We've seen too many teams recently in Ligue 1 fall into this trap of of you know not winning habit to get out of. Um, I think you only have to ask Twa the last time they were in Liga um, exactly how difficult a habit that can be. So they just need to get that win by any means necessary um, and then look to build on that. Um, so they really need to focus on their performance. I think they really need to look at, okay, they may not get any points out of their next two games, but look for some positive performance that they can then take into that run of games where they should be looking to get those points. Um, because, you know, if we're still having this kind of conversation mid-November, you'd have to say it's looking very, very grim for Strasbourg. Yeah, and it, another side that have looked pretty grim every time I've seen them, at least anyway, this season, is Lille. And they keep popping up on Friday nights, which is not ideal for me, really, because they've been awful at times. And, uh, Peter, that you look at the results, that that, that game against not such like looks like such a misnomer now and yes they, they're obviously a game behind because of that incident in uh, Amiens last week but is there anything to really get optimistic about about Bielsa's side at the moment? Uh, to put it bluntly <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. um, they've got a huge game coming up this weekend against Twa and Twa are in a decent bit of form they've won back-to-back games um, and at the moment Lille look all over the place uh, defensively they are entirely unstable um, it seems like Bielsa is, is, is his methods are not taking on as quickly as he would like um, and they are stuck in that rut because obviously it's, it's his project it's, this is his, his name these are his players um, I mean they were pretty poor against Monaco I mean they started well against Damion before of course uh, later events uh, end of the game um, that the defeat to Gongamp was deserved. Um, I mean, they did well to get a point off uh, Bordeaux. Um, against Angers, they, they <laughs> when, uh, at the end of August, they, I don't know how they managed to get away with a point. Um, they gifted them so many opportunities, and that, that's been their, their issue defensively, especially defensively. Uh, I guess that's the way uh, Bielsa likes to play. It's, it's very much 190 miles an hour. Um, with pressing, but we haven't even seen that. That's that's the weird thing. It seems like the the, the side gets appears dishevelled and exhausted after what would appear would you would expect to be some kind of excessive pressure. We haven't even seen that. So when you when, I think what underlines it is uh, Nicola Pepe up front, and he's just he's not a forward. And the sale of the the Preville to to Bordeaux is uh, really does strike as concerning. And I wonder if there was more to it than just needing money because the money wasn't supposed to be an issue for this project. And you're relying on, on Pepe up front, and he's useless in that position. This isn't his position. Um, there are a lot of problems at Lille, and um, they, they've got to start picking up points. Um, and the game in hand, well, that doesn't stand for anything. So, yeah. Yeah, Pe- Pepe up front reminds me of when I was a striker at eight years old and I scored about two goals in that season. They were very, very lucky goals, I'll admit. Um, he looks lost. He looks uh, pointless. You might as well have a Sabutio player out there at the moment, really, to to bounce the ball off. At least he might uh, do something a little bit more than Pepe does. And that might be damning, but he's, there were a lot of clubs looking at him at the summer and uh, I had never quite understood why. Um Rich, Dijon have actually got better in the last couple of weeks, in all honesty. They've picked up a couple of results after starting pretty direly, in all honesty. They, they're slowly picking things up. A win against Montpellier, draw against Lyon, Lyon was was very good, in it, and they probably should have won against Strasbourg the others were a week as well. Are they starting to maybe find something about their team? Yeah, I think it's important to note with Dijon, I think they've had quite a difficult start to the season in terms of the teams they've played, you know, and they're, they're opening. So after this weekend, they're opening nine games that have already had to have faced Marseille, Monaco, uh, Lyon, Saint-Étienne and PSG. Um, so actually, you know, that that's, that's a pretty difficult, pretty tricky um, run of form to, 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 um, to face. You look at the other matches, well, they've got a point at Rennes, 
they'd have taken that, I'm fairly certain. They won at home to Montpellier, job done. Narrow defeat at Caen, not ideal. Um, and then um, we're unfortunate, I think, to, to have only come away with a point at Strasbourg. So um, I don't think the alarm bells are ringing Dijon quite as badly as the other teams that we've mentioned so far. Um, uh, but again, it, it's a case of, it goes back to the same the same argument I really made with Strasbourg. And, and to be honest, you can make it with any of these teams down here. It's getting making sure you're not falling into a habit. Um, you know, okay, points at home to Strasbourg. It's better than better than a loss, but that should have been a win. You know, and that, that they'll, you know, it's a case of what ifs, isn't it? It's it's you know they're only falling a goal behind to to come. Um, they can't afford. They again, they can't afford to lose against. Um, fellow candidates to, to, to go down. So, yeah, a game, a game at the weekend at home to, to PSG, OK, put in a good performance, but you're really looking at that 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 game the week after away at Mets. Potential huge uh, repercussions for that game. Um, and then, of course, they're home at the home Nantes um, in the, the round after. So there's a couple of games there, I think, where, OK, Nantes are on a decent run of form, but they're not playing great football. They're playing effective football, but they're not playing great football. There's two games there I think Dijon should be looking at four points from. Um, so I think it's important that they get that win, isn't it? It's 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 said it hundreds of times already on this podcast. It's making sure not to get in that habit. You've got to make sure the team, the, the squad, um, the crowd, the board, everyone remains positive. The minute that any one of those heads drop, um, you know, you're in you're in serious problems. So it's it's early days, yes, but you know the longer you go without that next win, those heads do start to drop. Um, so Dijon are another one of those sides where they just need to look at that win, and by looking at that win, it needs to be against a fellow um, uh, struggler at the bottom of the table. The one thing I would say with the Dijon is that they have scored goals, which is the among the sides below them um, is a really key thing. It seems. Um, I mean, they've, they've found the net 10 times. Another side that score goals is Wren. And, and when, when you have goals in the team, there's potential. I mean, they've got all of their forwards have scored. And Saeed has settled relatively well. I mean, he hasn't pulled up any trees. Nobody really expected that. But Tavares has scored. Jano scored. So that they have goals, I think, is, is quite important. Defensively, it's a completely different story. But that... that well, I mean, that's what, that's what got Dijon out of jail last season, hmm. were, were the fact that they just they score goals and... You know, you will cliche it again as it sounds. You will you will always stand a chance of staying up if you score more more goals. <laughs> so the fact that they kept that going means, yeah, you would probably say that they they will certainly end up towards the end of this season being worse teams than three worse teams than Dijon. But it's a it's a tricky tricky um, game to play. The whole you know we'll just try and score more than you. Um, you know, I remember. It reminds me sort of, of of the days in Blackpool were in the Premiership. <laughs> Their tactics seem to be, okay, well, we'll just try and win. If we're going to concede three, we'll just try and score four. It's great to watch, but I'm fairly certain Dijon fans get very, very frustrated at times. So, um, uh, yeah, goals goals will count for a lot, um, but they can't afford to be um, too sloppy at the back. Yeah, and they're, they're spread out quite nicely as well. I'm looking at Jan Berry's grabbed one, Sleety scored, Jacket scored, Quan's got two. Uh, they've got goals a little bit here, there and everywhere as well. They're not just relying on one person to to bang a few in. And mentioning a couple of those, the the Jacker and Sleety especially, it's almost like another club around that bottom area would uh, quite use those two players that used to used to play for them. Um, Peter, Amien is a is a side that we didn't really expect an enormous amount from this season, but they've been pretty decent in some games. Pretty, They had a really rough start, in all honesty, and they've picked up a bit of momentum, at least before facing Marseille and uh, Tuffelos at Con. I mean, they beat, they beat Nice 3-0, which is an impressive result on their own, and they're at least starting to grab a couple of goals. It seems like if they, cut, if they score, they'll win. If they don't score... <laughs> They'll lose. That seems to be their method at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit. It is a bit, and you're right. And I don't think anyone really expected anything from them, but they, they have um, really stepped up to the plate. I think that the issue with with Amiens, of course, is, is like Strasbourg, is the back to back promotions issue. Um, coming up so quickly, a lot of these squad players have played third division 
that's you know that's a huge setback from day one but i think um adam mentioned this on a, on a previous adam white um, was talking about how well they've invested and they have you know looking at their squad um kakuta for one um it's been a really good addition um gakpay's got experience trioro's come in as another option um and they've looked quite good um there was some concerns especially after Ndombele left i mean he his first few games for Amion were superb he was a standout player um but they haven't looked like they've missed him too much which is good very good for their prospects um i think um their results have been good too i mean obviously the win against strasbourg is huge away at strasbourg is a big big win for them and then obviously the win over nice as, as well so um you're looking ahead at their fixtures um to lose is a game they could win. They look extremely fragile at the moment. And I, I mean, if you're stripping your captain of, the, of his armband and giving it to his, his defensive partner, that doesn't bode well. Um, Bordeaux will be a lot trickier. Um, but yeah, they, they, they've adapted much better than, uh, than others. But it's the same, the same rules apply for Amiens as to everyone else. But um, yeah, I think going forward, they, they look strong. They've invested very smartly. Um, in, and they have a, t- a side with experience to counterbalance the uh, the, the the remnants of the, the new promoted elements. Yeah, and I, I really like Musa Kanate as well. I mentioned when they signed him that a number of clubs were looking at him in the past when he was scoring quite a few for uh, FCC on, but then move never really materialised. And it looks like he's quite a nifty little buy as well. Um, <laughs> Rich, onto the team that you probably didn't really want to talk about, and that's uh, your faithful Wren. I mean, the start of September, we were positive. They had a great win against Marseille. They were very unlucky, really, against Nice. Again, they pushed Saint-Etienne all the way. It was maybe Leve were pretty lucky to get a draw out of that. And then the con game happens. It's a typical Wren, isn't it? Uh, it is. It's sort of one and a half steps forwards four and a half steps back, it seems, with Ren. Um, one of, if not the most frustrating team to watch in Liga at the minute, um, because on paper, that squad is a talented squad. It's a, it's a very talented squad, I think, trying to not put too much of a, a bias on it. Um, but Christian Gorkouf cannot... I think over the, the, the recent weeks, um, perhaps even turning into the last season, I think it's become evident that he doesn't, despite having such a great reputation with young players, he seems to have just lost it a little, I think, now, to the point where I'm erring towards the group of fans who are calling for, for him to go. Um you know this this Ren team are you know they, I mean they've been underperforming for years. It's felt like this is a this is bordering onto a very very serious um, run of of poor form that you know we we can't afford to to let go you know much further than this. Um, it, it think yeah things have to change. This is this is not great. This is not what what these you know how these players should be playing. Um, players are equally to blame. I can't, I can't pin everything on Gorkouf, but the way I think he sets up the team, this persistence on Ben Sabahini having a part to play at left back um, is frustrating beyond belief. Taylor um, Sar to injury for a few weeks, um, picked up in the in the draw at Saint Etienne. Um, there's a, there's a little bit of um, well, not a little bit. There's actually quite a lot of doom and gloom. Growing around in in uh, the club, um, I know talks are held between uh, the president and some of the senior players and the um, the biggest fan group um, over the last couple of days to try and sort of placate fears um, and try and calm calm things down. I suppose because there's a growing there is a growing call for for Gorkouf to to um, to be fired. Uh, I know after the the game against the, the defeat at home to Caen, um, quite a large group of supporters stay behind, um, sort of calling for for Gulkuf to go. Um, I know some senior players met with those fans again to try and calm them down, to to reason with them, explain the situation. But 
it's almost come to the point now where the club can't allow it to go on for much longer. You know, there's underperforming and then there's this level of performance, which is, you know, several stages below what Ren fans have come to, to sadly expect with their team. Um, it's not good. There's, there's, you know, the performance against Marseille was great, but it was slightly fortunate in so much as they caught Marseille in one of those horror show performances at the Velodrome. Um, aside from that, there's really not been a great deal of positivity, um, which is which is very very frustrating because the signings they made in the summer were really positive signings. I was really really anticipating the start of this season. You know, Ismail Assar was such an exciting player last season. You know, to see the likes of him, Faitu Muata, Hamari Traore, they're all really exciting players. But under this Gorku system, they're just not flourishing. So, unfortunately for Gorku, for as great a servant as he's been to French football, I think the time has come for him to move on. Mm, yeah, I can't really agree any less with you, really, Rich. Let's quickly turbo go through the last three teams, and that's Toulouse-Montpellier and Angers. So, I'll, I'll give us one each. So, I'll start with you, Peter, and I'll give you Toulouse. Discomfort in the camp, it seems like now, with Duprat falling out with um, he, one of his key players, really, in Julian and... A team that, especially against Marseille, I mean, Dupas supposedly ripped into them after that game, but deservedly so, really, in that kind of very subpar display, wasn't it? Yeah, they have, they've been underperforming for a while now, and um, it's not surprising that Dupas has come to blows with some of his players. He has that sort of that personality, that, that firebrand aspect to him. Um, it doesn't help that you're falling out with your captain, and it doesn't help that they're at your centre-halves, and it doesn't help that they're currently the, the position that's struggling the most um quite clearly defense is, is is their main issue i feel like up front there are there are options um they haven't been helped by injuries as well um they've been without dermaz who's shown glimpses of quality uh, recently very recently and and, and gradle um you could do with him back as well just to 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 mix things up a bit um but you know there, there are some good players in there delort above all um, Somalia looks okay on, on that side. Um, Lafont is a good keeper, but he's, you know, he's, he's, he's been exposed quite a few times this season. Um, I mean, we look at the results and their wins. The win against Rennes was gifted, uh, courtesy of Ben Spaini and co, as, as Rich has just outlined. There was two penalties in that game, I think, if I remember rightly. Um, the, the, the positive is that they managed to get a point off Gangor after a run of three games without a goal. Um, which which is which is which is positive, and it shows a reaction after the Dupra hair dry treatment uh, against OM. Um, but looking forward again, um, they've got some big games coming up where they'll need to start picking up some points because the squad they've got, they should be doing better than they are. They sh- they've got Amiens next, and they sh- they should really be winning that game. Um, Amiens, Angers, and then Saint Etienne. So they're, they're games they they will expect to be picking up points from. Um, and eight points for, from eight games is not really is not good enough for Toulouse. Um, but yeah, they, I think um, they defensively is where, the, where their, their issues lie. Defensively is where they've, they've really got to hammer home and, and, and tighten the ship because all of the sides around the bottom don't tend to have an issue with conceding goals. Um, so it, it's usually the other end that's the issue. So... That's something they would want to address quickly, and they've got they've got um, Issa Diop, who's now been given the captaincy. So it'll be interesting interesting to see how he reacts to that. But he is an excellent player; uh, he has the potential to be an excellent player. Um, and hopefully, that the, the pressure that comes with captaincy won't send him one way. Well, hopefully, it'll do what it has done to Fakir at Lyon and spur him on and help hope. And I hope it helps to tighten the ship. As I trip over more words, but yeah, to lose yeah, defensively is is where where their issues lie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Rich, quickly on Montpellier, it's it's got better at the last couple of weeks with a couple of good draws. But you look at the results beforehand, and you you still feel like they need to pick up better points against these teams around them. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think a couple of really really good performances may mask some of those issues. Um, you know, I think holding PSG to a nil nil draw is fantastic, no matter what side you are in the league, let alone a Aside, who've sort of struggled in the last couple of seasons like Montpellier have, and then to, to draw away at, at the champions, um, only 1 1 against Monaco. Um, you know, two really good performances, as was the performance before 
um, those winning one nil away at, at Troyes, you know. Um, I think what we were saying before about Toulouse and, and potential defensive issues there it seems to be not the case. It seems to be the opposite way around for, for Montpellier. Actually, defensively, they look pretty solid, um, which is crazy to think. You know, I think in the last four games have only conceded two goals, considering two of those games against PSG and Monaco. And it, it seems equally as crazy that, you know, you, you're, you're um, allocating a lot of that praise to, to Vitorino Hilton. Still, he's still going at 40 years old. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's flat by Congre. They brought Pedro, Pedro Mendes in from Rennes, um, who seems a rejuvenated player, <laughs> seems to have settled in really well. Um, so, so really for Montpellier, it's, it's going to be goals that are an issue. You know, they still have a squad that have the likes of Kevin Berrigo in it. They still have the likes of, God bless him, love him as a player, but Suleiman Kamara. Okay, he popped up with the, the late equaliser against Monaco, but they need someone fresh. They brought Giovanni Co in, um, also from Rennes in the summer. He's not that fresh striker they need. They need to look at someone exciting. They lost Steve Mounier in the summer. It's that kind of player they need to look at bringing back. I was I, I was hoping that after such a long injury that Casemir Ninga was going to be that player. He still seems to be finding his feet. Um, so I think come January, that's certainly, I think, where the club will need to look at, is bringing in some exciting, younger, more vibrant attackers. Because if not, they, can't rely, they surely can't rely on a 40-year-old centre-back for the rest of the season. No, absolutely. And I, I, I'll take uh, Angé, who we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it might have been on the, the preview show, that they really rise to the occasion against these big sides, but they sometimes also limit themselves against the smaller teams, for example, when they lost to, to Mets early this season. And the amount of draws they've had is is almost staggering. It's a very important month, I think, this one in October, where they they face Colm at the weekend, they have to lose the weekend after that, and uh, Strasbourg as well away. Those three games are really, really important for them to just get a win under their belts. I think if they if they can keep playing, or oh, at least not rise to the occasion on a on a poor scale. If you if you understand my drift, where they sort of play under themselves against teams that they perceive at least as being weaker or on their level, if they can get a win at Con, I think that pushes them away from it, and it might just give them the confidence they need to sort of finally pull away and be that mid-table side we, or, or even potentially European side that, that we probably expect from a, a, a club that have a number of exciting players in their 11. I think Angelo Fulgini has been an excellent signing. I think Enzo Crivelli, if he if he can just sort of get out of his own way, it seems like sometimes and, and, and hit the form he can do. Carl Tokoikambe has been absolutely excellent again. Um, so they just need to finally get a good win under their belts. I know where obviously they beat uh, Angers on the second week of the season, but one more win now will probably push them and uh, push them out of this uh, mire. They find them in on nine points at the moment, but they, they don't look like a team that will be struggling really for much longer. Um, let's quickly talk about that because surprisingly we're filling this international break, aren't we? Um, the Ballon d'Or list came out this evening um, and there's a number of players on it, including, well, seven altogether that are either French or in Ligue 1, and that list includes for the French side, Antoine Griezmann, N'Golo Kante, Karim Benzema and uh, Kylian Mbappe, who's obviously also in Liga, as well as Neymar, Cavani and Radamel Falcao. It's impressive to see quite a fair number of names on from Liga, although obviously Neymar's relatively recent on that list, uh, Rich, that what I wanted to pull up first of all is it's even though it's four names, it's it feels like a, a steady improvement, doesn't it? Uh, absolutely, I think um, I think actually you could probably have added a, what should have been. If I think um, Usman Dembele can count himself very very unlucky um, not to have been included on this list. I thought over the last twelve months um, he's been terrific. He obviously sealed that mega mega money move to Barcelona. Unfortunate that he's picked up a, an injury that's going to keep him out for a few months, but um, it's great to see. You know, I know a lot of people have have thrown a little bit of, of doubt on this, saying, well, you know, it's a French France football magazine, uh, you know, award, uh, there should be French players. Well, that's not necessarily how it goes. You know, this is definitely, this is an award 
that has been absolutely dominated by only two players and, and there's not been even a look-in from a third player really over the last few years, no matter how not quite as good the likes of Ronaldo and Messi seem to play. So um, it's great to see so the, the, the likes of the players there. It's great to see players like N'Golo Kante. You know, I know he obviously got a lot of praise last season, won you know, countless Player of the Year awards, but the pitch that still seems to go quite underappreciated um you know they are crucial crucial roles that they're playing and yeah of course players who score the goals have all the flashy skills we're always going to get more um column inches but it's great to see that 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 kind of player rewarded with that because you know he has been terrific now for well two and a bit seasons um and to be perfectly honest with the with the moves that i know certain players made this summer um i think we can certainly look on this as the start of a you know, next year there should be more. I think French place, rather French-based or French players on it. You know, I think Bakayoko has had a terrific start to his his Chelsea career, for example. So there's going to be more to come, I think, over the years. But um, you know, it's a strong, strong start for this sort of new era, if you like, of French football. Man, it's great to see a number of French players on that list as well, because of obviously the clubs going through. Griezmann obviously was uh, pretty close last year, and and the amount of players that, although Benzema's maybe a question mark, it's maybe a little bit cheeky to put him on that list. I don't think he's quite at that level anymore. Mbappe, it's great to see him on that list, but is it a bit too soon? It's always tough on these kind of lists. They are obviously subjective, but I think the one that we really point we want to talk about, uh, Peter, in this is the man who really wants that award from France, well, who plays in France, and that's Neymar. Is this his year? Potentially. Um, I mean, last the last year, of course, was dominated by had to be Cristiano Ronaldo with with, with Portugal and his phenomenal form. Um, he still maintained that form. Um, Messi's star hasn't dimmed, but it's not shining as brightly. I guess that that still means it dimmed. Um, <laughs> but I think what what Neymar's done is he's put himself on the map, both on the field and off it. He is now far more in the consciousness of everyone in European football. Not that he wasn't before, but he's, he, you know, his move to PSG was based around being centre stage at, at the club, and, and he certainly is that now. And he has been exceptional since he's come to France. And you can, you can have your, your, your points about, oh, it's Liga, it's this, it's that. But he has looked a different player. He, you know, in, as being in those first few games, especially, being the focal point, um, seems to bring out another level of, of, of talent, of, of uh, importance, and he's, he's risen to that. I mean, we can talk about off-field things separately, but on the field, he's been exceptional. I think nothing more uh, defines that than his free kick against um, Bordeaux that set, set off a chain of events of superb attacking play from PSG. So does he have a chance? Yes. Yeah, I do think he has a chance. Um, but you, you never know with these awards. I don't particularly like these kind of awards because, as Rich was saying, they, they tend to be so skewed to forwards. And it's it, first of all, football is a team game anyway, and you can talk about that, fine. But if you have to have individual rewards, you've got to, you've got to look at it from a broader perspective of, of the game and how players affect um, teams. And, of, of course, we've had Ronaldo and Messi have been exceptional talents. I, I, I do accept that. But I think the one, obviously, with Kante, was when, when he was overlooked for PFA Player of the Year for, for Mahrez. And Mahrez was exceptional. But for me, Kante was the man that made him tick. And you, you saw that the following season after he left. So I think... I, I, I'm glad that there are more names on that list who are not uh, your, your goal scorers. But I think one omission for me was, was Casemiro. I think he is an absolutely essential for Real Madrid in their dominance. Um, but again, he's not a, a glamour player. So where these, who these awards are, are tailored for. But yes, I think Neymar does have a chance. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. But yeah, Neymar, he does. <laughs> No, that's fine. <laughs> another debate for another day, really. The uh, single awards in a uh, team game, I've never really understand it. it. I would have preferred something maybe similar-ish to what they have in the NFL of a of offensive player and a defensive player, although they still pick an MVP. So where am I saying in that? Never mind. Um, let's quickly dive into some users' questions because we've had a, a fair good ones this week. I, I've got six for you, so... I, I'll, one question, one person, so I'll, I'll direct it at someone. Um, so I'll start with you, uh, Rich, and this one's from uh, Tony Montolivo. Um, do you think Jardim is regretting staying at Monaco this summer? Uh, no, 
No, I don't think so. I think he rec- I think he probably knew all along that something like what we saw in the summer was going to happen. I think what he can see from that is um, it's actually quite an exciting project. If, if you're willing to, to buy into it as a coach, that your best players will come and go, you know, relatively quickly, uh, but there will be a high turnover of quality players. If you're willing to buy into that, then it's a great project to be part of. Um, at the minute, it seems like Jardim has. Um, you know, they, they've sold a lot of players, but they've bought in a lot of cash and therefore have bought in some good players as well. So, you know, if he's part of that, uh, you know, can understand how that project will work in the, the short, mid and long term, then, uh, you know, it seems that he has. So, no, I don't think he has any any regrets at all. And uh, hopefully he'll still have an option open for me to become his protege at one point. We never know. Uh, let's Next one. So it's at Don Banks 2, and this one's for you, Peter. With there being a clear oversaturation of amazing French eligible talents, do you think France will start calling up some of these players to avoid them being poached by other eligible countries? It's a very interesting one. I mean, it's, it's definitely an issue that uh, affects France um, more than most. Um no, because I just don't think it's 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 possible with the current squad. I think the squad is so exceptionally talented that calling up players in the, a la um, Wilfred Zaha and, and I remember Danny Welbeck when he made his debut for England about the, his links with, with Ghana. Um, I don't think um, you will see those kind of call-ups. Um, of course, this is Didier Deschamps, so he, he not only looks at your, your talent and form, but whether you're useful in your in his own way and in his own thinking. So, uh, because obviously with age groups, it doesn't matter until till the, the national team. Um, so I think you'll see a lot of French talent going um, to countries of their um, grandparents' uh, background or parents' uh, background, um, for the nations they're eligible for because of the, the, the amount of talent they have. And I don't think France will try and monopolize that by any stretch of the imagination because they, they don't need to. For one, I think there is just a very there is a growing group of younger players who are willing to, you know, sort of write off a career with the France squad at an early age. You know, you look at the likes very quickly. You look at Adam Unas. You look at Joris Nyanyong, uh, Amin Harit. Uh, although not confirmed yet, you've got the the Hernandezes Hernandai. Is that how you say a plural of the Hernandez brothers? Um, and there's still question marks over Laporte. I think he only played a friendly game. I think he still technically could play for Spain. So I think what you'll see is certainly I think with those those first couple of names I mentioned is at a younger age, they're willing to say, you know what, this competitive French squad is not for me. I'd rather get guaranteed national game time with, you know, where grandparents were born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does seem to be um, the growing trend, doesn't it? I know I, I remember Harit only a couple of weeks ago as well there. A surprising one there. Um, one from at Arian H, 1999, Richard. Do you think it was a mistake for PSG to loan out Krakowiak knowing that they lacked a defensive midfielder? Um, I don't think... I, I personally think it was, yes. I don't think PSG do. Um, you know, he barely played when he was there. Um, you know, they've had ample opportunity to sign a defensive midfielder. Um they seem to put all their eggs into the Fabinho basket. Um, it was blindingly obvious they needed cover in that position. Um, it was also quite clear, I think, that P- that Monaco, sorry, weren't going to let PSG snap Mbappe and Fabinho. So, um, you know, I think that was quite obvious from relatively early on in the transfer window, certainly as, as their interest in Mbappe grew. Um, so... You know they had the they had the time they have the resource to recruit they didn't still let Krakowiak go so for me they're not going to regret that in one bit. Mm, yeah, I can't well, can't really disagree with that one. I don't think uh, Peter. This one is from uh, Dr. Mantis Tobogan and I thoroughly salute being able to uh, make a uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia reference on this show. Um, do you think that Bielsa project will be blown up? By Lille before the winter break, or that he might walk out of them like uh, he did at OM because it's not going too well for them so far. Oh well, arguably it's already exploded. It's just that it's just uh, being contained in a sort of North Korean bunker under the ground. <laughs> um, 
I, <laughs> yeah, implosion, yeah. <laughs> um, it's late. Um, do I think Bielsa will hang around for a little longer? Absolutely, because everything is it's, it's just using the same metaphor that Rich did. All the eggs are in his basket. Um, they have, everything has been thrown at him. The way the squad has been assembled is, is Bielsa. Um, will they, what will it take to release him? I think if they just continue to perform abjectly like they have done, and potentially Christmas, yeah, I think by Christmas. But would they, I think they may give him that long, um, just because of how much investment they've made on the back of him. So, I don't know. It's, the omens are not good by any stretch of the imagination. And, and any other football side, I think he'd be out, out the door by now. Yeah, I think he's <laughs> trying to find where the exit door might be. Someone's maybe painted it on at the uh, Lille training ground, trying to keep him in as long as they can. Um, Rich, um, this one's from uh, Vic Charnet. Chonetsky, sorry if I've almost butchered that. Um, other than goalkeeping issues, what else has contributed to Nice's stumbling start compared to last season? Um, it's difficult to put um, put a finger on it. I think there have been, as, as, as was asked in the, as, as mentioned in the question, aside from goalkeeping, there have been defensive errors. Um, I don't think Dante, for example, has looked that we saw last season. Um, I don't know, there just seems a little bit more frailty to this side. Um, you know, a bit, bit, bit of, silly to say this with the team with Balotelli in it, but a little bit of lack of self-belief. Um, you know, they were very gung-ho last season. Um, you know, bravado was was almost the, the, the key, oper- the operative word for the way that they played. There was, there was no fear, uh, really entertaining to watch. It seems like... You know they've realised that one or two teams have caught on to their tactics, have have therefore nullified it, and they've gone into their shell a little bit. Um, so I think what Favre has to do is try and get that um, that that attitude that they had last season back, um, iron out those defensive mistakes. I can't say I've been the world's biggest um, Cardinal fan over the last couple of seasons. Um, I'd almost put him in the sort of when I put him in the when I say put him in the Ruffier category, I mean that as in, you know, there's there's a mistake in him in in nearly every game, as well as a couple of world class saves. So um, there's there's work to be done, um, but you know they have the players, they have the coach, they have the resources to put things right, um, because it's a mental thing. As as Farah has, has uh, acknowledged that, can work on that behind the scenes. You know, Nice will get back to form. Yeah, and I think I'll take the last one from uh, OLUSA. They say, do you think OL can turn it round and get things in the right direction? Uh, I absolutely think they can. They've got a terrific squad of players. I really like their midfield, and Dombele has been great. Tusar, they both played for the under-21s as well tonight, which is great to see. They've got a great front line, although I'm still frustrated by Memphis Depay. They need to get rid of Bruno Genesio, though. Um, if they want to make Champions League football, they need to bid him sooner rather than later, get an, um, another man here who, who has more uh, tactical flexibility, a bit more nous about him, uh, that can really rough this team into shape. Because in all honesty, on paper, I think they should be third. Um, but they might miss out on it if they keep him in charge, really. And sorry about that for <laughs> oh, well, well, the US fans of OL, at least anyway. Uh, that's all that we have time for this evening. Sorry for the late finish my thanks to peter rich and all of you listening at home join us for the preview show that will also be slightly later this week on thursday at half 10 and the main show will be back at the usual time in the same place next week abianto and goodbye